Hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Miles Parks. I cover voting. I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House. And we've got a very special guest today, NPR's Scott Horsley. Hi, Scott. Great to be with you all. So we wanted to talk about the economy because there's a lot of really interesting data coming out that seems to be kind of building towards a contradiction for President Biden. On the one hand, inflation seems to be cooling. On the other hand, it is really hard to convince voters that things are looking good. Inflation continues to moderate. Uh, Prices in July were up 3.2% from a year ago. That's a a big improvement from uh, last summer when inflation was topping 9%. The details in the report suggest that uh, core prices are are continuing to approach where where they they want to be. Inflation is still higher than the Fed's 2% target, but it's it's certainly moving in the right direction. And it's it's better than inflation in a lot of other countries. It's still up around 8% in the UK. It's uh, 5.5% in the the rest of Europe. So the U.S. has seen inflation fall faster than a lot of other countries. And at the same time, the job market has held up pretty well. U.S. employers added 187,000 jobs in July. So it's looking as if the Fed may achieve that elusive soft landing where we get inflation under control without tipping the economy into recession. It seems like this remarkable thing where for months and months and months, many forecasters, many people were saying, we see a recession around the corner. We see a recession around the corner. And it's like a, a switch flipped. And now everybody's saying, we no longer see a recession around the corner. Yeah, I mean, we're not completely out of the woods, but um, it's certainly looking as if the the path to a soft landing is wider than it appeared maybe six months ago. And the trends are generally moving in the right direction. Now, from the president's point of view, one not so positive sign is what's happening at the gas pump. Gasoline prices have jumped rather sharply in the last uh, month or so. They're about 30 cents a gallon. And we've talked about this before. People put a lot of weight on gas prices, even if they're not a huge portion of the average family's budget. Uh, you know, those, those signs on the, on the, at the corner gas station are two feet tall, and, and that carries a lot of psychological weight. But even with that run-up in gas prices, the University of Michigan's consumer sentiment numbers show people feeling a little better about the economy. Uh, so all the, all the indicators are pretty good except the president's uh, approval rating. Yeah. Tam, how, how is the administration feeling about all of this economic data that it hasn't exactly translated this year into voters saying, wow, President Biden did it. The idea that the soft landing is even possible or potentially probable at this point feels like it should have translated to voters, but it hasn't really yet. They are expressing patience, that that they think that it it's sort of sentiment it can be lagging or credit can be lagging. Um, and so they they seem to be willing to give it more time because they, in fact, have more time. And, you know, they see the next year as their chance to sell Bidenomics to the American people as as a thing that has succeeded and, and shouldn't be a derogatory term. So they are willing to give it time. And certainly the president has been voicing this. Everybody said it was going to be a recession and it's not. So look at this. Or everybody made fun of Bidenomics. But now he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder about it, as he often does. Hmm. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm Casey Morell, a producer on the NPR Politics Podcast, with a quick plug for our most recent bonus episode that's available now 
This one, it's a fun behind-the-scenes chat on how we check the facts each and every day on the show. And it's not just about getting names and numbers right. What was a goat doing at the rodeo in the first place? Apparently, like, goats are a pretty, like, standard part of a rodeo event. All that and more in our latest bonus episode for NPR Politics Plus listeners whose support helps make this show possible. Subscribe now, plus.npr.org slash politics. And we're back. We know that everyone has their kind of individual economy, right? And one of the data points that I've been really interested by the last couple weeks is the huge rise in credit card debt. Um, So we've got kind of broader, rosier pictures being painted, but isn't credit card debt at like an all-time high right now? Yeah, we got some numbers from the New York Fed that showed that uh, credit card balances in June topped a trillion dollars for the first time ever. That is, if you add up all the credit card balances that people are carrying around the country, it was just north of a trillion dollars. Now, that's not a big deal for the more than half of credit card users who pay that off every month. You know, for them, it's just a convenience. It's a it's a way to not have to carry cash, and maybe they even get some rewards points for it. But for the almost half who do carry a balance from from month to month. That's very expensive credit. Uh, the the average interest rate on credit cards is above twenty percent now. So if you're just paying the minimum and and carrying a balance from month to month, that's costly. Now the good news is in the last few months we've seen wages outstrip inflation. So people's real buying power has actually increased in in recent months. That was not the case for a long time when prices were going up faster than people's paychecks. And and, and that's one reason people were relying on credit cards to, to make up that difference. But now we are seeing a real buying power grow. And, and so there's at least the potential for people to maybe pay down some of that debt and and avoid those those interest expenses if they can do so. Of course the the government's own credit card is carrying a pretty big balance right now too and uh, and the taxpayers are going to be on the hook for the larger interest payments associated with that as well. To go back to the question that we sort of topped the conversation with, I I think about this a lot. The perception of the economy broadly versus people's perception of their own economy or their own economic state. And Scott, you probably have the numbers uh, spelled out, but consistently people are saying, I don't feel great about the economy. And yet I'm doing fine. I'm doing better. I expect to be doing better six months from now than I'm doing now. Um, There's a certain optimism at the individual level that isn't reflected more broadly. And there's a sense where basically almost all of our data is broken, Uh, where presidential approval, approval of the president's handling of the economy, approval of the president's handling of the environment, approval of basically anything isn't really about how people actually feel about the economy. It's just how they feel about the president. Yeah, we we know that you know people view the economy writ large through very partisan lenses now. So Democrats tend to be more optimistic about the economy than independents and Republicans. It was the opposite during the Trump administration, uh, and when the administration changes, you know people's partisan lenses change, and and they don't necessarily recognize that. But but it's certainly true that people's you know perception of the economy and 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 who gets credit or blame is is very much shaped by by partisan viewpoints. 
by any objective measure, though, uh, the economy is doing reasonably well. You know, we saw the GDP grow 2.4% in the uh, springtime quarter, which is better than a lot of forecasters would have expected early in the year. Consumer spending has been pretty strong. We've added a ton of jobs. Um, income, real incomes are once again rising. And even with that large credit card debt, we're not seeing a lot of defaults on credit cards. You know, people still have a little bit of a cash cushion that they built up early in the pandemic. So there's a little bit of a, a safety uh, measure there. Won't last forever, to be sure, but we're not seeing a, a lot of real signs of economic distress. Tam, to close it out, I mean, where are you at with thinking how much the economy is going to affect 2024? I mean, is this going to be a top-of-the-ticket thing for how people are voting, or do you see it as being uh, a little less important than, say, I don't know, whether President Trump is, you know, in court every other day? <laughs> right. I I think that it's hard to predict what the most important thing will be in this election. But, you know, cycle after cycle we think that the economy is going to be the top issue. And people say the economy is a top issue. And yet, generally, it's something else. It's about personality. And certainly there's going to be some personality, likely, on the ballot this time around, uh, to say the least. And you can't underestimate the power of the issue of abortion, which in some states may explicitly be on the ballot, but is certainly going to be a huge part of the conversation. I guess what I'm saying is there's still time. People do care about the economy, but it's not clear that they vote on the economy. Yeah, I feel like that could change if gas prices are like $6 a gallon or something like oh, that, right? But if, it's, if we're in an environment where things aren't extreme, then maybe it's possible that some of these other issues could take precedent. Right. And I'm thinking about 2012 when voters had a pretty dim view of the economy still uh, because the recovery from the Great Recession was slower than everyone wanted. And Mitt Romney was a former businessman running. Barack Obama still won, even though Mitt Romney rated better on the economy. NPR Scott Horsley, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you. I'm Miles Parks. I cover voting. And I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House. And thank you for listening to the NPR Politics Podcast.